I think it is just the brutal honesty. As much as like it hurt me when you were like, oh, I don't know whether I'm still going to love you or find you attractive once you've had top surgery. Like that hurt, but it meant that I was prepared for if you didn't find me attractive. Like I was prepared for that conversation, but also before that step is kind of like, how how far does your sexuality bend? Dating can be a total minefield. Trust me, I'm a love coach. But it doesn't have to be. I'm Lucy Cavendish and I'm the later data. I'm single in my 50s. I've got kids and I'm busy, but I really want to go out and meet people and find out all about dating. But it's moved on since I was in my 20s. And I'm keen to know what else is out there and what are other ways of doing things. From Aura Studios, this is Later Data, a podcast for the curious, exploring everything across the dating spectrum, from online to up close and very personal. Today I want to talk about gender identity and dating, and particularly around dating or finding love when you change your gender identity. There are so many ways to meet people in 2022, but what if you want to have relationships and you're not entirely sure of your own identity? Where is the best place to start? So this is something I'm really interested in, and I don't know a tremendous amount about it, and that's mainly because I am in my 50s and it's not been something that I've come across with my peer group. I think it's difficult to know where to start the dialogue, actually, so what I'm hoping today is to learn a lot about uh, what happens around gender identity and dating, because I think it's something that will be really helpful and useful in the future, and especially when it comes to my own dating life. So today I'm talking to Rosie and Arlo. They are a couple who live together near Manchester. Arlo is non-binary and Rosie is female identifying. So I just want to make sure I get this right, first of all. Rosie, you use the pronouns she, her, and Arlo, you use they, them. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So when you first met, how did you both identify? Um, so I identified as female at the time. Um, I hadn't really known the identity of like non-binary when we first met. I think the first time we met, I was wearing red lipstick and had long hair and used she, her pronouns, um, and a completely different name. I am still the same. I identified as kind of female, and I still do. So how did you first meet? We had a mutual friend um, who invited us both to her 18th birthday party. Yeah, I think yeah. she was 18. And I, <laughs> I remember she was like, oh, there's someone else queer that's going. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, well, just when we get there, just introduce us. And we were kind of the only two queer people at this party in kind of like sleepy Devon, where there aren't many queer people anyway. And so we were just kind of chatting and then hit it off from there. <laughs> I did go in with intentions to the party. So I just come out of a relationship and I was like, I'm on the rebound. Let's have some fun. And asked our friend, oh, is there any like gay people going, any queer people? And she's like, yeah, this one going up. So it was my mission to make sure I spoke to you that night. I and here we are. <laughs> it was your mission. Yeah. So Arla, you were on a mission to meet Rosie. I guess so. I, I mean, I'm not sure I anticipated it being six years of a mission. I just, you know, just some quick fun. Yeah. I remember you were like, oh, I'm only looking for 
kind of like a rebound and I was like oh I'm kind of looking for something serious and long term and then we just kind of were like cool I guess we'll just see what happens then. So what did you think of Arlo Rosie when you first met Arlo? I distinctly remember that you looked absolutely ridiculous in the lipstick and you were like I should take this off shouldn't I and I was like yeah yeah and I remember like you (laughs) took it off with your hand and you were like do I look better now and I was like yeah now the lipstick really didn't suit you and i can tell you didn't normally wear it but i didn't put it on my friends wanted to put it on me so i was like yeah fine we'll just i'll just go with it um and then yeah i remember that conversation very well do you does it look nice no fine but i thought you were quite (laughs) cute um one thing i do remember is you were always like really clunky with presenting female (laughs) it was kind of like a mishmash of this is what women are supposed to do and none of it suited you I remember, like, you had this really long hair, but you spent more of your time, like, putting it up and getting it out of your way than you did, like, kind of having it. Um, I also remember you were wearing a men's shirt. Mm -hmm. But, like, even then you didn't seem, like, completely comfortable. Yeah, it was like you were trying to, like, put together all the elements of femininity but it was still like really kind of mishmash yeah it didn't really go very well (laughs) so Arlo how did you work out that you were non-binary um I would love to say I had like an epiphany but actually Rosie we were having a discussion and we were talking about my chest um I can't really remember why or how and Rosie was like oh have you ever heard of the um like identity non-binary because she asked oh do you feel like a man like are you a trans man I was like no I definitely don't feel that and so you explained like what non-binary was to me and I was like ah I think I finally know who I am (laughs) I like distinctly remember we were on FaceTime and you were like I don't feel like a man and I don't feel like a woman and you were like really confused and I was like to me it was so obvious I was like well you're non-binary then and you were like oh am I? And I was like, well, yeah. So how did it feel when Rosie sort of offered that to you? You know, you don't feel like a man, you don't feel like a woman. Oh, well, maybe, you know, you're non-binary. It sounds so cliche, but it was kind of like, it was a a weight off my shoulders because all throughout my childhood, I'd never really fitted in anywhere. And maybe this was the reason why. And I was like, I wasn't ever confident in who I was. I didn't have the languages to like who I was, what I identified as until kind of we'd had that conversation. I was like, oh my god, it all makes sense. Then I could try my best to be my authentic self instead of trying to sim around like a lady, um, which is horrific. <laughs> Sounds like it must have been a very difficult place to be in, not not knowing. It, yeah. it. I would say when you met me, I was very like uncertain in who I was. Um, and I was like, I... I'm trying to fit into all of these boxes that society wanted me to fit into, but it just wasn't going together for some reason. And now that reason is because I was trans. And how was it for you, Rosie, when you offered that and Arlo was like, oh, maybe that's a a better way forwards for me? It was kind of really bizarre because in our relationship, obviously, you're kind of the trans person, I'm the cis person. But when we met, I would like to say I was kind of the one that was educated on trans people, like more so than you were, despite yourself being a trans person. So for me, I was very involved in kind of like Tumblr growing up. And there was a lot of 
education around sex, education around queer people, education around trans people that you aren't kind of offered in the mainstream. But that was where I was kind of picking up all of this knowledge, potentially like before its time. So to me, it was just really obvious. But I borderline was like, well, how do you not know? What do you mean you don't know? And then I think you said like, oh, well, I don't know, like, how do I know I am that thing? And I was like, like, sorry to break it to you, but cis people don't spend time obsessing over their gender. Like, we, ju- <laughs> we just don't. <laughs> you just get up in the morning and you're like, oh, I am woman. And then that's kind of where it ends. Um, so you were like, oh, well, I've thought about this a lot. And I was like, you are not cis. Like, I'm really sorry to tell you, but I don't think you're cis. But yeah, that was six years ago. So like kind of society and language has come a long way since then. It sounds really silly, but it kind of felt for me like being woke was finally being useful, <laughs> you know, because it's not always fun to be that person at the family's dinner table. It's like, well, actually, you can't say those words anymore. But like, it was kind of like, oh, this education that I've picked up is actually like having a practical application here. So um, Arlo, had you come out as a lesbian before then? Yes, um, but it was a very kind of not a big deal. I can remember my dad asking me when he picked me up at lunchtime from high school, oh, so does that mean, so are you a lesbian? And I was, I just panicked. I had gay panic and I just went, yes. And that was the end of the conversation and that was it nipped in the bud, which I, like I'm incredibly grateful for because I know like other people don't have that experience. But I was blindsided by my dad specifically asking that question. But yeah, so that was that was me kind of coming out at 12, 13, I think. Quite young for your dad to have picked up on that. Yeah, so I was um, secretly dating another girl. It obviously um, wasn't that. No, it clearly was wasn't. It? <laughs> <laughs> so I was secretly dating um, a girl long distance, and I think they obviously found out somehow, and that's obviously where the conversation stemmed from. But it was very much like a passing question, and then we moved on, which was great. And how about you, Rosie? Um, So I was in a similar kind of situation. I was in like a secret relationship when I was 14 or 15 with um, a girl I was going to school with and instead of my parents like confronting me obviously I was very good at hiding my secrets (laughs) so I had to tell them so I wrote them this big letter being like um just to let you know like I'm dating this person um I think I'm still like attracted to both genders so I remember specifically like putting in percentages (laughs) I was like I think I'm like 60% attracted to women and 40% attracted to men but I'm still kind of like working it out so I essentially at that time came out as like pansexual to which my parents had no idea what I was talking about and I was kind of like well it's kind of like bisexual um so that was the first time of many when I came out you've done lots of comings out as it were I guess so because then so I dated this person for two years um until I was about 16 and then we split up I was looking for another potential partner um for another two years so by the time we'd met I'd been single for two years and I remember my mum being like so are you just gay? And I was like, um, uh, I, I didn't really know, like, I didn't have a definitive answer. So I just kind of went like, yes. And kind of, I was being labeled by my kind of friends and stuff and the people I was around as kind of a lesbian as well, because they were like, we've well, never dated men. 
and you don't seem to have like a really strong active interest in dating men. So then I was like, okay, I guess I guess I'm gay. We'll go with that for a bit. Then obviously I was still gay when I met you. And then obviously you came out as non-binary. And then I've kind of since then been navigating, um, kind of identifying as like queer, which is like, I'm not 100% sure. Like for me, queer means I'm not straight. But I actually am not 100% sure, nor do I kind of care enough to like strictly define who I'm attracted to. Like, it's not like I'm attracted to this person because of X, Y, and Z or this person because of X, Y, and Z. It's actually well, like, I'm just attracted to lots of people. (laughs) So how did you feel, Rosie, when Arlo came out as being non-binary? Because that now feels a bit more defined, maybe. So I would say that you kind of came out in like stages Mm -hmm. so obviously you came out as non-binary to me after me suggesting that you were non-binary six years ago but neither of us really knew what that meant or what to do with that so kind of you identified as non-binary but you still used she her pronouns you still presented feminine i was i was like closeted non-binary yeah Um, i hadn't come out to anybody other than kind of you and maybe one other close friend and that was 2016 and it wasn't until january of 2020 on new year's day i kind of publicly came out to everybody on facebook and i was like like it or lump it new year new me quite literally um so that was kind of when everybody knew yeah which then obviously meant that you weren't as closeted about your identity i guess if that makes any sense yeah and kind of there were definitely you had to come out even to me quite a few times because you were like i'm non-binary i'm non-binary and i've decided i'm going to change my pronouns i'm non-binary and i'm changing my name i'm non-binary and i'm having top surgery kind of like so all of those things were like little individual coming out because i guess when someone identifies as non-binary, you don't 100% know what they, they're going to look like as the end product. I use an in inverted commas, like, yeah. And also in 2016, there wasn't, there wasn't the knowledge or the awareness of non-binary people that there is today. So it was no. like, there was nothing that I could be like, oh, I want to look like this person, or I know I want surgery or hormones or whatever. Because there wasn't really anything out there. There was only the few like YouTuber trans men. And I was like, I guess this is the best option that I've got at the moment to compare myself to what I want to get to. But even like the pathways there weren't very clear. So I remember when you were going for top surgery, we weren't even sure that your surgeon would choose to operate on um, people who were kind of Mm pre-testosterone. So it was very much like we were forging the path ourselves, just essentially like trying to work it out as we went along. So Arlo, when did you begin to transition? Um, It's quite a long timeline, as I said. So in 2016 um, is when kind of you came out for me, to me. Um, And then I I wore a binder for a couple of years in secret. Um, so a couple of days a week I'd wear it whenever I was at your house but never at my own and that was kind of fine I was navigating that and did I have dysphoria surrounding my chest um, which I did surprise um, and then it was 2019 I came out to my parents and kind of close family um, 
and discussed top surgery. And then, like I said, in January of 2020 is when kind of everybody knew. And then March 2020, I had surgery. So it was kind of like a surprise, everybody. I'm a new gender. I have a completely different name and I'm having surgery all at once. That sounds like a really big thing to do all at once for you. It was, but in my opinion, it was the better way for me to navigate it because then I wasn't um, drip feeding, I guess, the world um, this information for more backlash. Whereas if I do it all at once, the large majority of people were incredibly supportive. Um, So I think that was the best way that I could have done it. I think also you had a lot of fear about being sure, as I imagine most people do. So you were kind of like, I really... I'm not ready to kind of tell the world until I'm 100% sure these are the pronouns I want to use and this is the name I want to use. Um, So we kind of like navigated all of that kind of ourselves. Like I tried different pronouns with you. So I would use kind of he, him and they, them throughout the day. And you were kind of like, well, they, them makes me feel most comfortable. Um, We even did, do you remember when you're trying to choose your name? Oh, we did a roulette wheel. (laughs) But also I called you by a different name like every day Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you could kind of work out like what was the best fit so I think you were trying to like you didn't want to be like oh I'm gonna be I'm gonna call myself I don't know Noah and they'd be like I've actually have changed my mind Mm -hmm. so we kind of waited until you were like that actually this is definitely what I want and then dropped it on everyone at once so Rosie it sounds like your role has been supportive but also quite proactive how do you see your role what's been a big moment for you god there's actually a lot of big moments I guess isn't there so I when we first met was kind of like educator so I was like, you were like, I don't even know what being non-binary means. I don't even know what being trans means. I don't even know what that would look like. And I was like, well, I do. So let me kind of show you and tell you. I have definitely been supporter, but then also sometimes pusher forwarder. As in, you were kind of like, oh, I want to get top surgery, but it's really expensive. And I'm like, well, what are you waiting for? Let's just go. <laughs> um so yeah my my role has definitely been like emotional support um educational support like financial support so everything that kind of you've navigated in your transition you've done privately so far so we've kind of paid for that like together it's it's very much been um it was never like oh it's your transition so you pay for it it was like well how are we gonna kind of pay for this so, Arlo, what have been your biggest moments? The biggest one for me was not surgery. It was actually cutting my hair. I always had long hair ever since I was a child. And then I gradually, you know, did it in stages. And I had the ugly kind of bob stage, which, you know, was short-lived, thankfully. Um, and then I remember it was kind of past shoulder length. And then we went into a barber's and I was like can I have this really short haircut, please? And the barber thought I was like 12 and I was like, what is your mum going to think? You're only a child. I'm like, I'm over 18, but okay. You were literally like 20. (laughs) It's because you look so young. (laughs) I know. I don't know what's in in our water, but it keeps me youthful. Well, and I used to think you looked really young because it was a trans thing, but actually... I get ID'd all the time and sometimes people think my ID is a fake ID because they're like, you look really young. So I don't know what we are drinking. But, but <laughs> we'll keep going. Um, but yeah, so when I got my hair cut, 
he styled it in the way that well, I did not want, but cut it in the way that I did. Um, and then we went across the road to Acosta. And I remember, I think what gave me the most amount of kind of trans joy in that moment is we were having our drinks and you just looked at me and you just started to cry. I remember that. And I was like, what's the matter? Is it really that bad? Because I looked like Sue Perkins. Like it was like kind of like... You a, made a good Sue Perkins. I, I did, I did, I did. It wasn't the style I was after, but you know, I rocked it. Um, and you were just like, I've not seen you that happy before. I forgot about that. That was quite a big moment, wasn't it? But I guess that was the first step. Mm. So that like was... Out, uh, physically wasn't it yeah yeah outwardly to the world yes so what's changed in your relationship since then i guess lots of things but then also this is such a a difficult question because lots of things have just changed over half a decade anyway i think the biggest thing that potentially would not be present in our relationship if we were both cis is kind of having to navigate radical honesty so very much like there was a period in which you were like, I want to transition. And I was like, I am afraid because I find you attractive now. And I don't know if I will find you attractive. Like once you've transitioned, obviously that was fine because I'm still here. But um, I think potentially that level of being very, very truthful with another person, despite the consequences, maybe not something everybody kind of needs to do. What do you think? Uh, I would agree with that because then it also made me worried. I'm like, well, I want to be my authentic self and I want to have top surgery and go by a different name, but you're, I don't know whether you will still love me, nor do you know. So we just have to do it and just pray and hope for the best. Um, But also I always said, and I still say to this day, that being who you are as a person and liking yourself, it's always comes before our relationship or any relationship because you don't have to be with me forever but you unfortunately have to be with yourself forever so if you can't like putting your own happiness first is paramount I think but that has led to some really difficult conversations that I think potentially not all couples would kind of be faced with Mm -hmm. but then I guess also on the flip side of that so that's obviously like a negative kind of worry that we've had to kind of navigate together is that because I am being who I'm being who I meant to be um in like stars um has allowed us to kind of be happier as a couple because I'm not trying to be someone Someone who I'm not. not yeah um and I'm very grateful that you gave me the language to figure that out no wussies no wussies Do you know a lot of couples that have gone through this and have managed to stay together? Or do you think a change in gender identity um, more often than not ends a relationship? I personally don't know any couple that has one of them has transitioned and they've stayed together, which was kind of why. Still to this day, I don't. And six years ago, there was certainly no kind of, there was almost no example to set for us that, that was like, this is going to be fine. So it was very much like, I have no idea if this is going to be fine. (laughs) I think more and more people are kind of a little bit more fluid with their sexuality and how they identify. And it's less like entirely rigid. But there are lots of lesbians who are 
only attracted to women and their partners come out of as trans men and they split up and that is kind of sometimes what happens i think now that people are understanding their trans identities potentially at like a little bit earlier in life because obviously we both knew we were queer at like 13 14 but you didn't know you were trans until you were in your 20s really Mm -hmm. that kind of makes that less of an obstacle because you're meeting someone and you already know your identity as opposed to kind of finding out halfway through the relationship. What do you feel on? Have you seen, it, it does sound like it could be confusing for people. Have you known couples that have found this difficult or have they managed to navigate someone changing their gender? I only know of one couple where he came out as a trans man and they were in kind of a, um, a lesbian relationship before that and then they broke up. Um, so that was kind of the only example that we had known um, and I'm like, oh god, is this really like what what happens? But in reality, they've probably just drifted apart or some other reason as well. And I think because of um, people identifying as queer now and kind of not kind of lesbian or gay, which is great, kind of allows for that kind of the flex in who you're attracted to. And like, I would say you would agree, like, yeah. it allows for like, oh well, I'm already kind of outside of the the norm so i can see where this goes and flex it and trial it a bit more yeah i also think that there are in 2022 i can think of quite a few examples of people who have transitioned and their relationship has survived um but all of those are kind of online representations so i think if we were 18 today and you were coming out to me as non-binary today I think I would be able to kind of do a Google search and I would be much more confident that actually it was completely doable. But it's just because it was six years ago, because it was 2016 or whatever, I did said Google search as kind of an 18-year-old and I didn't find anything. It very much felt like I was like, we are navigating territory that has never been navigated (laughs) before. So what do you think makes your relationship so successful? Um, I almost think that's why it was successful in a, in a roundabout way, because there was no trath pot prodden, <laughs> no path trodden before. It was um like we weren't doing anything right or wrong. We were doing it as we kind of stumbled across it, mm-hmm. um, which kind of meant that we were being super honest with each other, which was like great but then also we were both scared at the same points and at different points and we could support each other and try our best like thank god for like trans facebook groups um because that was kind of the only place that i had found support and like other non-binary people in the world um so i was definitely on there and i'm like asking loads of questions and then feeding that back to you and it's Mm -hmm. like we can do this um i think for me what has made it successful is just keeping a relatively open mind and just so in the beginning it was very much like I have no idea how a person transitions I have no idea how we're going to do this I have no idea how we're going to tell our family and friends um I have no idea if this will even work long term but just kind of being like well we let's just you know keep an open mind and just continue on until it doesn't really and I think lots of things evaded that like you having trans friends because obviously i can't relate to your experience of transness 
So you talking to your trans friends and having friends that you can talk to are kind of about dysphoria has been huge. Us kind of creating splodge and then suddenly connecting with lots of different people who were going through similar situations was massive because people would say, I'm the cis partner of a non-binary person who's just starting their transition. Like, um, will I be okay? And so it kind of, for me, I was like, oh my God, there are other people that went through this. Um, and then like practically therapy, you know, like um, individual therapy, couples therapy, listening to each other, not kind of giving up. In society in 2022, I think there is this kind of narrative that some people give up on relationships as soon as they get difficult. And I think for us, we were very much like, well, we're not that kind of people and we were going to work through it for as long as we could with whatever means we had available. So do you both have any advice for coming out? Uh, If you're not sure of your gender identity or sexual orientation, you know, should you feel the pressure to come out? There's absolutely no pressure to come out whatsoever. I think when you're ready is when you're ready to tell whoever you want in however many increments that you want, but also to make sure it's a safe space to do so. Um, And I know that for a lot of people, they're not sure whether it's a safe space. So it's kind of like jumping into the darkness and just hoping that, you know, everything's going to be relatively okay. I felt more confident coming out as non-binary in... 2020 to everybody because I had done it in stages mm-hmm. um, from 2016 and that's not to say that kind of it should take four years two years 20 years like it's kind of I just felt it was right to to come out when I did to whoever I did which was definitely a more scary experience than coming out as kind of a lesbian to my dad on the way to a McDonald's at a lunchtime <laughs> yeah I think I definitely felt this pressure that when I came out, I had to be a hundred percent sure of my identity. Like it had to be absolutely unquestionable. And then I've, my identity and the way I've labeled myself has shifted so many times um, over the past couple of years that I think there's a difference between being ready and not being sure what you are. So I definitely like, I was like, I'm ready to come out, but I don't know what I'm coming out as. But I think that's fine. I just wish I'd come out as queer just many, many years ago instead of being like, God, I have to know what I am. I have to, you know, kind of digest my identity to make it easier for other people to process. Because now people kind of ask me like, well, what are you? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> but that doesn't really bother me. And what advice would you give for a couple where one person is beginning to transition? I think it is just the brutal honesty. As much as like it hurt me when you were like, oh, I don't know whether I'm still going to love you or find you attractive once you've had top surgery. Like that hurt, but it meant that I was prepared for if you didn't find me attractive, like I was prepared for that conversation. But also before that step is kind of like, how how far does your sexuality bend, I guess? Yeah, I think for me, when you were kind of coming out as non-binary and also over the years have explained to me kind of you're more trans-masculine leaning, like you see yourself as kind of more masculine than feminine. Um, when I first came out, 
in my life, I came out as being like, I'm attracted to kind of both genders, actually. So I was never like a really, really hard on either end of the spectrum. So when I was kind of um, re-navigating my sexuality, I guess, for, for a second time, I was kind of like, well, I have throughout my life always felt an attraction to masculine people. I just have felt the pressure to be labelled as a gay woman from society. But actually, if that attraction is there, then, you know, I I don't need to panic that actually this is going to fall apart. And I think as well, giving yourself time. I think for me, when you said you wanted to have top surgery, the initial reaction I had was of a fear of change and a fear of the unknown. So actually, it turned out like I find you more attractive than ever post-top surgery than I do pre-top surgery, but I just didn't know. So I was like, oh my God, I can't, there's no way of me knowing what am I going to do. But actually, just give yourself time and like you'll know if your relationship isn't working, you'll know when it's time to walk away and don't scare yourself thinking, I might not find that person attractive. Like, let yourself get there. And if you do, kind of deal with it then. And what about for a single person who's working out their gender identity? Um, do you have any advice where they could find some more information or resources or if they wanted to, where they can maybe look to find love? I can't really speak from like an online perspective of like how how dating apps work nowadays with trans people because I've I've not had to navigate that. But um, as an individual coming to like to find their gender identity, I'd say Facebook groups were a massive help for me. UK specific ones like targeted towards non-binary people, but then there are also like trans mask groups and trans femme groups as well um where it's like you can speak to these other people that have like the same worries the same kind of concerns that you do but also want to give the same support as well um so facebook groups were amazing for me but also having the support network in person was huge because it meant that if I was feeling a worry at that moment in time, I could go to you, go to a friend and be like, I'm not sure whether I want surgery and, you know, kind of go through those worries. And I'm not sure whether I want to use these pronouns or this name. And I think the support network that you have, whether that be online or in person is kind of crucial to have, because if coming out to say, your parents doesn't go well, who do you have to fall back on that isn't yourself? Because if it doesn't go well, you're not going to be in the capacity to support yourself like in that time of need, I don't think. Yeah, as far as dating goes, like we really got into a long-term relationship just as Tinder was kind of gaining popularity. So in a weird way, we kind of missed that. But I do know that Tinder, Hinge, all these kind of different um, dating apps offer non-binary or genderqueer as gender identities like you can certainly pick labels that describe yourself in kind of a way that you couldn't in the early days of tinder when we were using it so you are man or woman yeah are you man or woman whereas it's now like uh what is your sex assigned at birth how do you identify and also so we both get loads of sponsored tiktok ads for queer dating apps mm-hmm. now if i was a single person 
trying to find someone in 2022, I would probably use a queer centric dating app because you know that anyone on that platform is more open. <laughs> it's either more open or at least they understand your identity. Like at least you're like, oh, if I'm trans masculine, they're like, cool. Just to let you know, like, I'm not attracted to trans masculine people. Visibility is so important and you're both creatives. So tell me a bit more about the products you create. Splodge kind of came around because I wanted to raise some money for top surgery because obviously it's quite expensive. And so my nan and you kind of went halvers on a screen printing at home kit, which I'd always wanted to try out anyway. And so I was like, right, let's just do something that kind of gives back to the queer community that we're kind of taking all of this support from with me transitioning mm -hmm. um, because it's very easy when it comes to pride month to see like big corporations like h&m and tesco's slap a rainbow on their logo and be like done we love the gays and that's kind of where <laughs> where it ends and there's no kind of authenticity in that and kind of everyone is seeing that nowadays but we wanted to create products that kind of were gender affirming and were kind of like queer affirming to people's identity um however that kind of fits with them and kind of not create it so it's like so cliche so a lot of our designs are quite subtle with pantone prints as the colors of the pride flag or colors of the trans flag which i think is my my favorite product realistically <laughs> you want the queer people to see you and the people that are going to hate crime you to not have a clue. Like, oh that looks funky yeah yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> um which definitely has happened like i've created a design before and my mum's gone well what does that mean and i'm like you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand, mum. Which, you know, means that it's working because the people that get it, get it. And the people that don't, don't. I um, also think, like, so one of the first products we created were the um, pronoun tees. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, those were really important because um, you're essentially saying, like, here are my pronouns you don't get to misgender me because you've seen them. I think even as a cis person, like being like, hi, I'm Rosie, what are your pronouns? Like, are you she, her, what are your pronouns? is very scary because you don't know if someone's going to be like, you, do, you don't know if you're dealing with a, with someone who's anti-trans or anti-queer. And it it is one of those moments where you're like, do I, do I tell someone my pronouns? Do I ask their pronouns? Or do I potentially put myself, you know, in danger? Um, and also it's just awkward like I hate correcting people um, like people misgendering you is still something that we're learning to correct because it just feels so awkward to be like sorry can you just stop there it's actually they them mm. like, uh, maybe that's just the British thing I though think, I think that is <laughs> I think that's this hatred to be confrontational so I think the, the badges and the t-shirts just take that element of having to disclose and having to be confrontational out of it because that person is like looking at your face and looking at your t-shirt and they're like, okay. So it kind of like means that you don't have to put the effort in to make sure you're gendered correctly. But also the other person talking to you isn't constantly like, I forgot what their pronouns mm -hmm. are again. So where can people find you? Where, where are you on social media? Where can people get hold of you? We could be in many more places. Where are <laughs> we really? Um, so we're on Instagram at Splodge Store. Um, we're also on TikTok, I believe, at Splodge Store. Um, our website is splodge.bigcartel.com. And we might even have a LinkedIn page, but don't 
Don't quote me on that. I think we have a LinkedIn business profile. <laughs> it's certainly not an active page, but yeah. And we're also on Facebook, probably still with at Splodge Store. Yeah, I think so. Great. So you're really visible. And if people want to know more about you and, and it's very easy to get a hold of you and have a look at what you're doing, isn't it? Yes. And we're also like always open. So I find it quite nice when people DM us or like comment, oh, can I have some advice on, on this I'm a cis person and my partner's just come out as non-binary. And it's like, well, yes, because we we didn't have that six years ago. So we are now trying to very kindly be be that voice for kind of yeah. past us. It's one of those moments where I had the realisation the other day that obviously we were looking six years ago for role models of kind of a couple, one of who was cis, one of who was non-binary, that it was still actively kind of working and then I had the realisation that I was like, oh, that's us now. <laughs> we are those <laughs> yes. people. So, yeah, we absolutely love it. Brilliant. It's one of those imposter moments, though, where you're like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. People people look up to us. But it is really lovely. We receive lots and lots of kind of private messages and comments being like, just to let you know, like, your v- online visibility has helped us massively. Um, so, yeah. That must be a really great thing to read and, and feedback to get that you've helped people. Absolutely. But then obviously we do get the um the transphobes on the old comments occasionally. Yeah, I know, but I just ignore yeah. that. Yeah. It's just not worth it's not even worth responding at this point. Yeah. So at the start we used to like kind of fight our corner and it's like, eh, it's just not not worth it. No. And sometimes they're so wrong it's actually funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much that was really interesting and i'm sure there's lots more that we could say but it's fast it's really interesting to meet you both and thank you for being so open well thank you for having us yeah thank you for having us I've really enjoyed speaking to Arlo and Rosie. They're a really fun, really joyful couple with a lot to say. And I found everything they said really interesting. At the heart of it, and I think this is at the heart of all the podcasts we've been doing, is that it's about the quality of your relationship and how much you can communicate and how much you can connect and how open can you be and listening to Rosie and Arlo there's a tremendous amount of that they're very honest and they're also very trusting and I also like the fact that especially for Rosie there was an idea of you know I can't just say finite things I'm this or I'm that you know I'm I'm fluid and I think that's something that's very helpful for us all to keep in mind sometimes you know we're not exactly sure of what we want or what we're doing um, but we've attracted to the people we're attracted to and that's not really around uh, their gender identity it's it's them as a person it's how we feel about the other person thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of later data please subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast to hear the next installment of where my later data adventures take me and if you've enjoyed this please rate or leave a lovely review and if you want to find me online, it's easy and not that easy, but I'm at lucylovecoach.co.uk. And while you're there, please follow Aura Studios on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. See you next time. Later, daters. Mm-hmm.